You are listening to Get Real Podcast. We are live. Yes, we are. Here we are, the Get Real Podcast. Here we go. Hey, Dan, we're going to talk a little bit about some seduction today. Okay. <laughs> Do tell. No, I know what it is. I'm not going to play like oh, I don't know what the show's on, about. Come on. Well, our okay, listen. really? <laughs> it's the Get Real Program. Really? Really? We're going to talk, talk about, about seduction? What yes. could this possibly be? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> seducing spirits, seducing, you know, seduction, witchcraft, control, and narcissism mm. all go together. And it's just, you can't separate them. You, you really can't. And our society and our church, the church today is so permeated by control, by people that are narcissistic that are doing things that they really shouldn't be. They're exercising a control over people's free will that they shouldn't be. And I went back and took a look at some notes that I took during one of our previous podcasts that we did, Dan, about control and narcissism. And one of the things that we talked about or hit upon and I took a note on was that control is really a perversion of the dominion that God gave us in Genesis chapter 1 when he created us in our in, in his image. In Genesis chapter 1 it said he gave us dominion over the earth all the creeping things, the fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and he's very specific about what he gave us dominion over. Got a little feedback there. We'll we'll pull that up in a minute. But um, gave us really specific instructions on what we had dominion over and i was looking at that the other day and nowhere in it does it say that i have dominion over another person just over like the creeping thing the creeping things fish fowl fish fowl cheeseburgers oh cheeseburgers yeah exactly the the cheeseburger dominion and when you look at it we had that wily serpent that that tempted eve and adam of course because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing let his wife eat of that forbidden fruit and man fell. And that's when we see where people are. And part of the curse is that we want to exercise control over each other. Smooth one, Eve. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there I go. Get put in the corner for a million years. We know and the scripture says it's all blamed on Adam because he was the one. It's, it's, it's really his fault. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. So, that's well, where we see that. Go ahead, Dan. It just as far as for the listeners, obviously, narcissism is something that we talk a lot about because you and I came out of a cult. Um, and since then, it's like I see them everywhere. I see them in history. I see them in governments. I see them on platforms giving speeches. I see and it's like Ugh, you meet them and you kind of know. But a lot of people don't know they're they're dating. They're joining churches. They're getting jobs. And they may have some of these people around them that are willing or, or more than ready to, um, you know, do their little witchcraft on them. That's what you're essentially saying. It's counterfeit exactly. spiritual authority, taking witchcraft over somebody else, tweaking exactly. them in to do your will and your bidding. Yeah. Pa- pay lot, for your Audi. Yeah. Because a, t- <laughs> a lot of times we think of witchcraft as the person who puts the spell or uses the magic potion to get them to love them when that person doesn't. That's the classic fairy tale story that, well, that person doesn't love me, so I'm going to, you know, cast a spell on them or use a potion. Is that, that a is- former girlfriend? <laughs> 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 oh, here we go. Here we go. I think uh, we've got some rustling around. We have a guest. We do. And he's on his way. Guest. He's on his way to the zoo. So we were fortunate to catch him today. And it's Jay. Jay reached out to us after we did the spiritual abuse series. And one of the blessings of having done that series is that we had so many people reach out to us and say, hey, I've experienced some of the same things. And Jay is one of those. And Jay has done a 
He's experienced it on several different fronts, all at the same time, kind of like some of us in, in this studio. And he's going to talk to us a little bit today about his experience so that not to complain about it or, or anything like that, but so that other people can be freed by what he went through. Did you get the very last email that we got from a listener? I did not. It was actually from a malignant narcissist that was saying, hey, I'm looking for vulnerable empaths to exploit. So I gave him a list of people that I knew and just kind of, I'm just playing around. You put me out there, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, okay, I'm, I'm going to give, uh, make sure to you guys can uh, connect up, you know. There we go. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. There we go. So Jay is on his way to the zoo and Jay, narcissists. When we did the spiritual abuse series, we really didn't define that. We gave a lot of examples and we talked about the ones that we had encountered. But can you give us a, a definition of a narcissist? Yeah, sure. So I consider a narcissist to be someone who has a grandiose sense of self, um, very self-centered, even to the point of completely lacking apathy for others, right? And I think that that's um, kind of the, the general definition for one, but I would also go ahead and add in there, because of that lack of apathy, um, they tend to manipulate others, use them as a means to an end, just to satisfy their own psychological desires, basically. So based upon your experience with narcissists, and if you can correct me if I'm wrong, you experienced it both in the spiritual realm in church, as well as in your personal relationship with, with a former wife, correct? That's right, yeah. So I had a pastor who I discovered about six months in. He was a, uh, a narcissist. Um, I, I figured that out by the way he was treating his staff, including me, and the way he would treat some of the kids in the youth ministry uh, that I worked for. And I was also married to a spiritual narcissist who often would use God to control me, um, whether that be with places of employment, what I could do in my free time. She would you know, say that's not God's will, um, and even you know condemn me in certain ways, similar to how the pastor would, except he would use the scriptures to do so. So, what are uh, with your pastor and you said the treatment of the people in the church and also the staff members? What were some of the things that clued you off? What were the subtleties? And when did you first recognize? Did you look and see like, whoa, that seems a little off, but then you justified it? That's what I did. That's what I tend to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, at first, I think I was just, it was my first ministry position. And uh, so I was kind of overlooking a few things. But I noticed as time went on, this mask that he was wearing just slowly and surely started slipping off. I could see it in the way he would talk to his wife. Um, I could see it with the staff. We were all, so I, I worked with at-risk youth, and so um, it, it was high stress. And one time I, I asked for a day off because I was just really burnt out, and I was going a lot uh, through a lot at home. And, and he basically said to me, well, when my butt hurts, and I don't even know if he said, you know, I think he said the other thing. He says, I, uh, I don't think that I, he goes, I don't get off the horse. I get back on, you know, and keep riding basically. Uh, so that was kind of a red flag. And then um, I saw him at it. See, he was very good with words and very good with using the scriptures to reason and justify. But uh, a few times when the kids would get under his skin, uh, I just saw him. He would condemn them. Uh, he'd use the scriptures, you know, Romans 1, reading from Romans 1 uh, about the ungodly and, you know, how um, God gives them over to a reprobate mind, basically, and just using these scriptures to really condemn these youth that are already struggling in so many ways. Uh, so those were a few big red flags for me. And not, not willing to give the staff, even um, the interns who worked under me, time off for personal activities because he was very militant about the way he approached ministry. That was also a red flag. I would assume that he probably took some really lengthy, expensive vacations, I bet. I actually, um, actually, he, he, he was so burnt out himself, I think he pushed that on everyone else, kind of mentality, if I have to go through this, okay. then everybody else has to. Ugh, so ugh, You're creeping me out, bro. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's, these are, you're telling me. It's all the same. It's the same rhythm. You know, when people lack empathy, it's very difficult for us 
that usually people, and I would assume, Jay, that you are very empathetic as far as how you respond to people, other people's needs. You can, you can empathy for the listeners. If you're not attuned to all these psychological things we're talking about, empathy is when someone can walk a mile in somebody else's shoes mentally. You can put yourself in their position. You think, ouch, that hurt. I would hate for that to happen for somebody else. You feel for somebody else, right? And when people lack that, it's hard to get your mind around it, that they don't think and feel like you do. It's hard to get out of our own deal. It is. It almost, and and we don't want to dehumanize, you know, narcissists or these people, but it's, uh, that's actually the experience that you go through emotionally because they make you, they they not only make you feel like an object, so you don't feel human, but you look at them as if like, I don't even know how you can operate under this mode of thinking. I mean, it's an isolation for them. It really is. Is Yeah. Mm. Jay. And and there is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, you know, we're talking about people who are empathetic and, um, and it's, I think that that's how we end up with this attraction somehow to the narcissist. Um, there's a psychologist, his name's Ross Rosenberg, and he wrote this book called The Human Magnet Syndrome, and he actually breaks down and explains why um, certain people that have uh, that are full of empathy are attracted to those who have a lack of empathy. That like sounds fascinating. So, hmm. Yeah. So basically, the point is, it's not by coincidence that we end up in these relationships. So. Mm. <laughs> what, what else is wrong with me? Oh, Dan, I, I've got a track record. We got problems. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. gonna take a quick commercial break while we sort out our problems. We'll be back yeah, right. after a word from right. Our hey, at least we're all at it together, right? <laughs> Jay, let me ask you something. Because recently, I was doing some research about this very topic, and I discovered. A lot of people will associate narcissism, like if you're not Hannibal Lecter, right? if you're not like sure. somebody's like not extremely malignant, it, it, there's a spectrum involved here. There's some people that Definitely. have a lot of narcissistic t- tendencies. Can you tell us about maybe some of your experience with that and maybe a struggle to actually go, am I crazy or is this person off? Am I just selfish? Right. Right. Well, at first you, you start, uh, especially so narcissists tend to use uh, the acronym FOG. I don't know if you've heard this, but well, fear, obligation, guilt, mm. fog. So when they're they're pushing that fog on you and they're gaslighting you, um, you know, at, which actually gets you to start thinking, you know, kind of along the lines that you said, is this just me? Uh, is there something wrong with me? Then it takes a really hard time to determine what's going on. But once I discovered it, um, I which thank God somehow. The resources came available to me, in which I started looking into this type of behavior. Um, and it actually it started with my ex-wife. She would go to therapy, and she would project everything about me. Um, or I'm sorry, she would project everything from her and say it was me, mm. and tell her therapist a completely twisted story. And she came home and she says, "Yeah, you're a narcissist." And I thought, well, what is that? And that's actually how I discovered that she was a narcissist. Oh. And uh, defied irony, right? I mean, but I mean, so she would, because I knew she would be doing this because every time we'd have counseling, it was all twisted, all about how bad of a person I was, etc. Wow. Um, but so you, so you mentioned the spectrum of narcissism. To go to answer your question more directly. Um, there are definitely degrees of narcissism and different levels, and I think that obviously the ones who are on the higher end of the spectrum are the ones that lack empathy the most. They're the Hannibal Lecters, right? Um, but the ones, there, there's also some that um, will give even an illusion to care or try to care, and those would be on the lower ends, but still they're very self-centered, very much consider themselves better than others um, in a lot of ways and um, there's no there's I'm not a psychologist I, I don't know this for sure but I tend to think that that narcissism is very deep-rooted would you guys agree with that yes absolutely yeah yeah so like the more that I study it and the more I know about it I think that there is a correlation between childhood trauma 
and um, I can you know break that down a little bit more for you guys if you'd like but I think there's a correlation of childhood trauma and the intensity of that and then the degree of the narcissist yeah could you break that down a little bit more on the childhood trauma because I was gonna ask you the question what makes somebody a narcissist is, you know, I don't think they wake up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to be a narcissist today. <laughs> what do you oh. want to be when you grow up? <laughs> right. I want to be a narcissist, Dad. <laughs> right. Childhood what do you want to be, be, Bobby, when you get older? I want to be a narcissist. Yeah, that doesn't happen. You could have a metal band um, named Childhood Trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, um, and, and this is where it gets really deep for us as Christians, right? Because we do have to still love even our enemies, and um, it's going to be very difficult when you're being mistreated and abused, like, you know, we've had to experience. But I think the eyes of compassion want to know the whys, which is why I love what you guys do. So the why behind it, and this is some heavy stuff, I think what I've seen and with my ex-wife, with others, uh, friends, wives who suffer from this, women in the church, there is a... Um, the childhood trauma of sexual abuse and and it doesn't always lead to this I think it's how the person responds to it right um, but something with women and losing having that lack of control at that vulnerable moment will make them have a huge desire for control later on in life now once once again this is just my own findings this isn't supported by you know actual studies right. or anything right. so um, and then with males, now this is something I've seen almost across the board, and, and it's wild. But if males are not getting the affirmation from their dad, or their dad is not around, or um, they've been abused by their father, then they tend to be on a high spectrum of narcissism later on in life. And, you know, only Freud could probably figure that one out. I don't know exactly what that is, but... I. Um, with the spiritual narcissist, it's interesting because I think of the pastors, because I have some relatives, males. Um, you know, he, my my own father uh, is I would consider him about mid spectrum narcissist. Uh, you know, struggled with alcohol, drug abuse, whatever else, and he grew up without his real father. I've met other people who did not know their real father, and they ended up being all about themselves, as if to overcompensate some way. But I was going to say with the spiritual narcissist with my pastor who I had this experience with, it's interesting he chose the route of becoming a pastor because that is like he's trying to seek and get the validation and affirmation from his heavenly father that he didn't get from his earthly father, right? And so um, it also it plays into their doctrine, where they're very much more works-based. Like I said, this guy was militaristic in the mm -hmm. way he ran his ministry. He didn't care if he was burnt out, didn't care if his staff was burnt out, constantly trying to please this father that he did not please throughout his entire life and childhood. So Wow. Well, there's a what I consider to be kind of a spooky camouflage, like overlay. When you look at the things of, of Christianity and the Word— if you take the four or five narcissistic points, some of the ones, Jay, you've been going through, like a sense of grandiosity or chosenness or all this stuff, and then you look at, at somebody stepping up to ministry, there's a real, you can overlay those shapes with a scary wow. exact, you know, it's really exact. So you sit yes. there and think, I've been chosen by God. You, my son, my daughter, have been right. chosen. You're going to carry out this special thing. And and in the wrong way, that can get very, very, um, you know, narcissistic could be like, hey, that's it, me it, and people that go through their head. right? Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, Dan, you gave me chills there when you said that because of the just how that deep of a truth just resonated within my spirit. I mean, mm. I just got the chills. And because, I mean, we are a chosen people, right? That's scriptural. We're, you know, and we're a royal priesthood, that is a chosen truth, yes. people. and. And so, and there are calls um, individually upon our lives, and but for whatever reason, it's like um, these people use that platform and, and use that. It's so this deep, great, deep-rooted trauma, and they they see that platform, and it's an opportunity for them to exercise 
um, control and power. I mean, who has more power than the Almighty? And uh, you got you got these people that think they're vessels for the Almighty, and they're you know um, they're rebuking and and correcting people, and you know even pressuring them into tithing and. Um, they're on. They're on the stage. You know, they get the spotlight. So it's a perfect platform for someone that, that struggles with narcissism. Bingo, Jay! You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. They want to take the power, channel the power of God, so they control can, control others. And Scary, that that is witchcraft. It's it is. You're, that's perfect. It's yes. it's Luciferian. It is. You know, they want the eyeballs. They need the eyeballs. They need the. Uh, it's got to be about them. It's it's creepy and it's very prevalent. I just, I think in church and in for dating, especially for young people, people really need to be taught what personality disorders are because there is the whole dynamic of nature versus nurture here. There are some people, right. they have done tests, and I, I saw a documentary on these uh, psycho killers. And they will go and uh-huh. they'll test them and they'll be extremely on the narcissistic no empathy, you know, I'm chosen, I'm the only one. And they're literally somebody that could stick an ice pick in your eye and go, whoa, cool, yeah. look how it bleeds. Look. And they, would, they wouldn't want to be stuck in the, the eye with an ice pick, but they cannot relate that. They're just like, look how he winces in pain. That's fascinating. They're completely cold. Doesn't register. And you know what? They've done brain scans on them, and their amygdala, I think that's what it's called, in their brain is tiny. It's undersized. Wow. And so they've wow. noted that a psychopath, someone that was born just the wiring something's wrong there and then i think demons like to inhabit that they're very useful to oh them. yeah and and oh, then, yes. but then there's other people like sociopathic or antisocial people that are they grow up like you were saying jay they have this uh experience they get raped as a kid they're molested whatever's going on somebody's putting out cigarettes on them whatever they're doing to them and it it molds them into that sociopathic framework and and there's a whole lot there. Definitely. There's a whole lot there. Definitely. Yeah, you brought up some great points. That that nature and nurture thing is because I th- there are some like one percent of the population I've seen are sociopathic, and it's like, were they born this way? Because let's be completely real. I mean, this is the Get Real podcast, right? So I can I have a platform for it. Like, Go for exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> have you ever have you ever seen some kids and you're just like, my goodness, like they kind of scare you the way that that they treat other kids and and you wonder it's like were they always that way or what's going on at home and and so um regardless of the cause of it uh dan you brought up just an awesome point that why is it so this is why i i love what you guys are doing once again because there's not a voice for this type of behavior in the church it's really it's just not prevalent and um it's really really rare to hear about these kinds of disorders and but it's so important because Jesus is all about having relationships not just with him but with others and you know it's like if we could start a ministry or or just continue to be this voice I think that it's like okay it should be this sounds kind of radical but it's like all right brother or sister you just got saved praise God the angels are rejoicing now, here's a supplemental book on some of the dangers that you might run into, yeah. you know, a good point, uh, yeah. being a Christian, because you're going to encounter these people at work, you're going to encounter them in the church, um, and, and maybe even in your own home life, because how many, like, even, so Glenn and I connected on Instagram, and it was just me uh, sharing my experience some, and I had all these people reaching out to me saying, oh, this sounds like my husband. This sounds like my wife. How do I, what should I, what should I do? How should I leave? Um, should I leave? And mm. just getting the information out there just really empowers people. And that's, that's just beautiful, right? What were some of the things that seduced you to into these relationships with these narcissistic people? Well, they're very charming. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this high level of charm, um, you know, my ex, she was, she was very much appeared to be very giving, very full of love, very, and, and it was like a mask came off, man. It was like a light switch uh, when, when it did come off, um, just pure demonic 
activity. I mean, just uh, the abuse just escalated. But at first, it was it was a lot of charm, and she would even, I mean, and looking back, I feel very foolish. Um, just to be transparent here, because I was still a relatively new Christian, and um, just I just got seduced. You know, that's the word. That's the word of the hour. So, but um, she would compliment me. And on a spiritual level, I mean, you know, you're so full of Jesus. Um, you know, you're the way you, you know, you, you know, speak and, and, and talk about him. And I play guitar some, and uh, I love the way you worship and the way that you, you know, play. And so all of these compliments, you know, you, she even told me you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that's the way she would compliment my looks. And, and it's like for a guy who's, you know, like, obviously likes female affirmation you know um that sounded really nice <laughs> and and it wasn't just on this like emotional level it was on a spiritual level um and then with the pastor he was very much so he was like just so well read in the scriptures i mean this man to this day i don't think i've met anyone that knows the bible better than him and the way that he would recite scripture, the way he's actually an excellent counselor, only in the sense that he's able to give good advice that's biblical, not because he's able to like, he, he can't, he, there's no way he could sit and cry with someone genuinely and, you know, pray with them and genuinely mean it. So, but I do mean that he knows the scripture so well um, and he studied on how to relate with people. I mean, um, I've actually had a friend say that he was staying with him, and he saw on his computer how he looked up certain ways to not only relate with people and connect with them and become friends with them, but to manipulate them. So this is someone who studied human behavior a lot, knows the scriptures, uh, the, the Bible cover to cover. So using all these skills to impress me, and at first I just thought, wow, what a great man of God, you know? Wow, there, there's a whole lot there. It sounds familiar it, uh, <laughs> for, for both of us. <laughs> and one of the things, Jay, is you were talking about the instruction manual for somebody when, they, when they're when they saved uh, as a resource. I was saved under the ministry of a narcissist. So, I mean, I, oh. I walked right into it. You know, thankfully, I was I But was thankfully, saved. legitimately born again. You yeah, know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know what, Jay, as you were talking, uh, this is a Get Real program, and I don't want to be, like, douse somebody with hopelessness. But I do know that from a Christian counseling or a psychological counseling therapeutic perspective, which we're not professionals, you know, um, there's not a good track record of this sort of behavior changing. Because typically, huh. if you look at somebody in adolescence, you take a nine-year-old boy or nine-year-old girl. Um, kids at that age may be like mine. This is mine. Get away from my stuff. They have a tendency to be right. the center of the whole world. They're kind of narcissistic. They have grandiose yes. dreams about the future, and it's somewhat endearing in its appropriate age. We look back and say, well, that's right. a child. Those are fairy tales. I'm going to be a little princess, but, you know, a 35-year-old woman going like, I'm a special little princess. It gets a little <laughs> creepy, <laughs> right? And when Glenn does that, it really freaks me out. But <laughs> I'm going to be an astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's there is a time period where that's normal, and then, you know, it's like, okay, now we're going to learn empathy. We're going to learn how to share with others. We're going to learn how to you know, to be sensitive to other people, but right. the, the track record for our listeners, it's, it's not the greatest you, the, the height of it, I think is a way to cope. And there are narcissists yes. that are believers. God loves them. And yes. it's very difficult for them. You almost have to have God granted, um, compassion to stay in oh, an yeah. arrangement with them and to stay away Ooh. from the witchcraft but be able to restrain your flesh. And I'm talking with experience. I, when you said fog, sure, I've been in the fog for like 20 something years, man. And it's sure, like, I'm like, man. and still I feel total, like a total novice. I, my easiest, right. easiest way is to get mad and bail, you know, right. and sometimes yeah, that's right. what you yeah. need to do, but sometimes it's more complicated than that too. It depends if you're married sure. or you have kids, Definitely. Or if you're, you know, mm. Uh, this is painful, dude. I have to admit, I'm <laughs> yeah. enjoying it, and you sound like 
really smart and and just well um, self educated on these things. It's like you got a lot to tell, but I, I have to tell you, I'm getting kind of oh, you know. I'm gonna take a break. I'm sorry. Dan's gonna maybe, take, maybe maybe Glenn could hold you up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold him up right now. This is why we minister in twos. That's why Jesus said to do that. I want to get real about something here, a little bit deeper. I want to talk about Antichrist. Okay. I want to talk about it. All, all the what? time, a lot of these pastors will paint the Antichrist out to be this big, ugly thing that Iron Maiden sang about in the 80s, okay? <laughs> but really, when you think about narcissism and the definition of what Antichrist is, now, Antichrist does not just mean at war against or against Christ. It means instead of or replacing Christ, and it, it, it challenges Christ's authority. So somebody who is in a spiritual position that is operating in 100% total narcissism, they are operating in the spirit of Antichrist because it's don't look at him. It's that charm that you said, that charisma that they have. Look at me. I am the one. I'm the counselor that can solve all of your problems for you. (laughs) Obey my counsel. Do what I say. Uh, You must listen to me. You must do this. You must do that. And if you disobey... They twist the scriptures like you were saying with those young kids that, that this guy was involved with. And that, that impacts. That's a, right. That's a good parallel. Glenn. Oh, big time. Really and how much does it hurt the kingdom of God, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it just devastates the kingdom. And um, so, yeah, following up on some of the things you guys both just said there, because, um, you know, you, you were talking about when you're in this type of relationship, I, even under a church, you you start questioning: Is it just me? And then you're like, "How do I get out?" Right? Yeah. And so um, I think when it comes to um, any type of narcissist, they often will not change because of this antichrist spirit. You know, this spirit of it's all about self. Right? I mean, that's what mm-hmm. when, when Lucifer when he fell from heaven. It was because he said in his heart, I think it's in Ezekiel 28, I will exalt myself above the throne of God, and I will be like the Most High, right? And it's all about self. And so when that spirit of self is there, and they're not admitting that there's anything wrong with them, they're not going to change. Um, And so you can't say for each individual in in a different context what they should or shouldn't do but my advice for churches and you know you can't say for marriages in all places because there could be a lot of grace there for a person to be able to work with that or work through that Um, but and when it comes to churches my best advice is just to leave that antichrist spirit and find a, a genuine man who's humbling himself underneath the will of God, right? How would you point out, how would you differentiate, like, uh, what what do you think would be healthy? If somebody thinks, like, um, I think my pastor is on the narcissistic spectrum. I think he's spiritually abusive. What would you point out for somebody to be able to compare between a real man or woman of God, you know, a man in leadership in a local church that you look at and go, absolutely, this guy has got empathy. He's full of the Holy Ghost. How would you compare those two sorts of people to help? Man, uh, listen? That's, an, that's an excellent question. Um, and, and right away, the first thing that comes to mind is a genuine Christian will often confess their faults to one another. There's actually a scripture in James chapter 5 that tells us to confess our faults to one another so we can be cleansed. And if your pastor admits that he he or she is falling short, um, that they're not perfect, um, that they have struggles in their own personal life and, you know, whatever else that they've had to work on in their marriage, I think you got to keep her. Yeah. And, and you, you know, the world may tell you differently because they expect pastors or whoever else to be these you know, icons that are perfect, and we may have that representation in our mind, but we're all human. And if you see someone who's willing to admit fault, you know, hey, I didn't get it right, um, but, I, but God gave me the grace to persevere, and I'm going to try my best next time, then to me that shows a genuine heart. But if you have someone on the opposite end of the spectrum that's saying, um, you know, well, I'm never wrong, and it, and it goes back to, Dan, what you said. It's almost so childish, right? I mean, it's almost as if they did not develop uh, through because of childhood trauma, whatever else. And um, 
they become these large children themselves that will point their finger at everybody else and blame others. And so you have some people who just cannot admit they're ever wrong. Um, it's always the other, it's the deacon, you know, he's, he's doing that, or it's, you know, the people in the church, it's the flock, they're too hard to shepherd, they're too hard to guide. Um, so if you see someone pointing fingers, not taking accountability, then that's, that's a big red flag. Yeah. Well, the scripture comes to mind of not lording over the heritage of God, not lording over the flock, but, but leading by example. So I think that true servant leadership, not in like a, a showy way, and not in somebody that's passive and doesn't, uh, you know, exercise proper leadership, but in the same way they could be, you know, down to earth, like, man, I'm, I'm messed up, you know. Here's, right. the, here's the encouragement, is that everything that we're talking about, Dan and I, we hit on this a lot during our podcast, that there's nothing new under the sun. This spirit of narcissism, the spirit of antichrist that's really crept into the church and taken over was something that Israel experienced in Jeremiah himself spoke out against very clearly in Jeremiah chapter 23. And in right. Jeremiah 23, he said, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, therefore the Lord God of Israel against all the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. So this was something that was going on in Jeremiah's time where they were lording over the flock and they were scattering them. And that's one of the things as we've been doing this podcast and Jay, we've talked about this a little bit is that there's a lot of believers that are roaming around out there right now that can't find a church to go to right now because the spirit of antichrist is so prevalent, the spirit of witchcraft. And like for Dan and I, we have a really difficult time finding a church to stay in. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can definitely attest to that. I didn't I didn't go to church for over a year. I think after this experience with um with this pastor. So and that man, that's scary. You know, Glenn, you reading that scripture from Jerry? It's like woe unto them. And I mean, that's that's the Almighty talking. And it's like I'm so glad that we're on the other side of the camp, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want, exactly. I don't want to want a whirlwind of fury no, or anything like that. No, not at all. Well, you know no. what? When when Glenn was mentioning the spirit of Antichrist, I remember when I did a lot of reading and just different things about Antichrist, what it is, and I thought about this. I think I was in college when I was thinking about this. When I looked at certain politicians, which a lot of high up politicians are malignant narcissists or you've yes. got a lot of them are, are narcissistic or definitely on the spectrum but there's some of them and i promise i will not mention hillary clinton but what i mean <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i couldn't help it it's to get real program. but just there's different people that when you see them they put on a a smile a a, a, a learned smile it looks like they'll put on yeah. different things that they will try to display think about this Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, temperance, meekness, self-control. They want to do that. But on the inside, they are literally a ravening wolf. And think about a wolf like a wild animal, okay? A wild animal, they don't have a symbiote oxytocin cycle. I'm a nerd. But they don't. It's like you could take a wild animal and you could every day you could go and feed a particular type of wolf. Some of them could adapt. But you could feed it, hand feed it, or lay out food for you it'll still want to bite your face off after the hundredth time, right? It has no like, oh, well, maybe I could do something for you. It just is not inclined that way. And some people are that way, and I think they make them vessels, which gets weird because you try to think of the culpability of a person that if you're born with like, you know, no amygdala, you know, and it's like right. you're like looking as a toddler going, I'd like to ice pick the teacher. <laughs> and is that, you know, you're falling just like I am. It was like Jeffrey Dahmler. You listen to his yeah. testimony. I think the man got born again. It's he's, yes, he, it, he was like, I'm a monster. I'm glad I'm in this cage. I've seen that. Have yeah, you? It I was mean, powerful. It, it, it's amazing. I know. I mean, it's amazing that he even just to expound upon that some. I mean, he was like, I did believe in evolution before and that we were just animals. And you can actually see that like, he did not understand what it would be like to love or show kindness or any of that. Wow. wow. There's a good part to Jeremiah 23, though. There's more verses after it. 
that I really like, and I want to talk about that for our listeners who might be going through this, uh, experiencing the narcissistic pastor, the narcissistic uh, spouse. Um, it says, he goes on, Jeremiah says, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful in increase. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is that the first part of Jeremiah 23, he says, well, unto the pastors that drove my flock away. But then he talks about where the Lord drove them to. So anybody who's out there that's listening, that's experienced this, maybe you've been driven away by a narcissistic spiritual leader, narcissistic pastor, but where you're at right now, you might not be at church. You might be wondering where God is. Well, the place that you're at right now is where God has driven you. And Dan, and right. I, we've experienced that in our that's lives. It's encouraging, Glenn. It's encouraging. I need to meditate that on that. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're supposed to be. It's okay. He's the good shepherd. His sheep always hear his voice. Always. Mm. Always. That's how you got out of it, Jay. That's how Dan got out of it. That's how I got out of it. That's how my current wife got out of it, because she went through a lot of this as well. God's driven you to a special place. You're okay there right now, but there's coming a time, and we started to see this when we did the Spiritual Abuse Podcast, where people that were driven away started to gather together again. We had people around our table that we hadn't seen in years. Yeah. And everybody's getting excited again about the Lord. So those that have experienced this, if you've been driven away, the place that you've been driven to is where God wants you right now. But He's gonna He's gonna call you back, and He's He's gonna call you call you out and make you useful. That's exciting, Glenn. That's really exciting. Yes. I think I would be remiss to not bring this up and get y'all's feedback on it. But there is something. If you're out there, you go to a church or you're involved in a relationship or you just started dating somebody and you're like, something's not quite right here. We talked about that there is a spectrum that somebody doesn't have to be, you know, uh, a 10 out of 10 on the spectrum to be narcissistic or to be abusive in that sense. But there is something called the overt narcissist versus the covert narcissist. And I've done a lot of research on this lately in a covert. It is like really scary because it is not the loudmouth life of the party, arrogant guy. That's like, you know, the flashy preacher that everybody's like, yeah, this guy is probably on the spectrum. It's going to be the one that does it through different means and they do it. It's like a more sophisticated model. I've heard it said. Yeah. And And, it gets really scary because people don't know. Go ahead. But yeah, sorry. I, I was just going to say that was my experience on both, you know, with my ex and with okay. the pastor. I mean, completely covert. And so that one, I mean, that one to me is more dangerous just because the over, I think there's red flags where people are like, stay away. But it's especially painful to get to know someone and then see that they weren't actually who they were portraying themselves to be. And everybody else will think that you're um, crazy. They're not going to believe you when you're yeah. like, dude, this guy, and you're like, no, I'm around him all the time, or this gal, exactly. they're abusive, well, they they're weird. Everyone else convinced. I mean, they almost it's, it's just if they develop the role of acting, you know, they're an actor or actress on the stage. Mm. And that's why it's so hard for people who have been abused at home because they're often not believed or they often don't have an outlet to get out of that situation. And uh, everyone else just doesn't understand because... They, the person puts on such a good act. So, How about healing, Jay? What are some things that you've done or the Lord's led you to to help you heal from these experiences? Yeah. Um, so I definitely have spent quite a bit of time alone in prayer, crying, reading the scriptures, you know, just asking and searching God, um, you know, how do I go about this? And when you first go through this, you obviously you're not ready for any type of relationship. Um, Glenn, I mean, you mentioned that your wife had been through something similar um, in in her past. And, you know, I think God has recently put me with someone who has similar experience with this as well. And that's also been a conduit of healing um, because there is it's so nice to have someone give you a sense of understanding and that patience with you so that helps but um, not only that just kind of what we're doing collaborating with others who've been through it uh, educating yourself and um, 
really keeping in mind that you're not alone throughout this is a is a huge huge help along the way so amen that's awesome yeah it really is that's awesome. no, it's good to hear the just the seasoned humility you go through a lot of pain a lot of self-questioning because it's ah, oh, we could do yeah. a whole separate podcast on the what is it called the inverted narcissist or what you mentioned the people that are actually drawn to narcissists it's weird. It yes, is weird. Yeah, uh, because we, of codependency, it, it, that goes to um, issues from their own childhood, you know, trauma. That, so the codependents are drawn like that human magnet, drawn to the narcissist, you know. And um, But the, the, the encouraging part, which I love what you guys, you're focusing on God's sovereignty throughout and um, how he does have a heart for those who are, you know, broken in spirit and, and the humble and contrite in spirit. And he, he lifts us back up, right? And um, it's just a, it's something, it's a very lonely time. It's a very hard time. But ultimately, how much can God use us now that we can stand alone and we have that strength? Because, you know, you, you may think you're crazy. Others may think you're crazy. But you have to, you really learn how to trust your own judgment, right? And that's, that's really empowering. And that's one of the things that the narcissist doesn't want you to do. They don't want you to oh, trust your own. No, judgment. they want to gaslight you into another galaxy. Yes, <laughs> yes I know, man. I know. Are there any resources, uh, additional resources that you can recommend to our listeners who are who believe that they're in a narcissistic relationship, either in church or in their or in their marriage or in a, a boyfriend girlfriend type situation? Yeah. So I just want to encourage people that it's only a temporary season. God still loves them, still is going to help them throughout. There are resources available, like Ross Rosenberg's book I mentioned, The Human Magnet Syndrome. There's all kinds of people on Instagram, some on Facebook, where you, where you can connect, connect and collaborate and, and you know empower yourself and equip you to heal and grow throughout this because there is life after the, after the narcissist. So... There is life after the narcissist. I like that. Make a good title for this. Yeah. That would, there is yeah. life after the narcissist. Jay, thank you so much for being yeah. online with us today. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Thank you so much. And I will be in touch. I'll, sh I'll shoot you an email uh, for the date that we're going to post this one, okay? Have a blast with your family. Yeah, have fun at the zoo, bro. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank I, you. Uh, just got here, so thank you. All perfect. Right. Perfect, perfect timing. timing. All right. Bye, Jay. Thank you, Jay. Dan? If anybody wants to reach out to us to talk about, not that we're experts on this, but we have experience, so, so we can speak with a little bit of authority, I guess, in this. If they want to reach out to us about narcissism or want us to shoot a message to Jay, uh, reach out to us at our email account, lithoscry at gmail.com, or you can check out more about what we're doing over here in the fishbowl at lithoscry.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. You're a good speller. I actually, I've been taking night classes because... Life gets a little tough if you're too empathetic. I'm trying to put it off. So I'm, I'm going to the Sociopathic Institute of America. Okay. And we're doing <laughs> online classes, these exercises. There's a little bit of breathing involved. Um, and But what you try to do is just put off empathy. And you're like, I'm going to go throughout today, and I'm not going to give a rip about my fellow man. Like in driving and, you know, whatever, parking space, shove old ladies away from the produce. You know, what have you got to do, Glenn? And it's just, I really feel like it connects with a sense of overall neo-Darwinistic neo uh, philosophy. It's um, elbow the old lady to get to the cabbage. It's yeah. my cabbage. My, right? my tin toy. And so then just empathy is so overrated. I mean, being nice and kind, it's just, nah, nah. Well, just look at the way it is when you drive down the street right now. People cutting you off Ugh. on your tail the whole time. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, if you actually obey the, the traffic laws, people get angry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've gotten flipped off for just trying to avoid an accident. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. But, yeah, no. Just, so, for our listeners, if you would like to be exploited... I'm working on lack of empathy and I'd really like a whole army of empaths to like send me money or do whatever. You know what I'm saying? I really want a jet. Actually, I want multiple jets. Some satellites. Yeah, satellites, satellites would be good. Satellites would be really good. good really yeah, good. Yeah. A bigger studio would be nice. Yeah, we know there's a painful thing and I appreciate Jay being on with us. I appreciate your just coming in clutch with the whole like encouragement from scripture. 
<laughs> you're like, no, it's really good to see a sense of sovereignty in it. That's the part, like, I don't like suffering with it. I don't like dealing with it. It makes me mad. I don't like narcissists. And and I think you've got a better, mature handle on that. They, they make me mad, and I want to hate them, being honest, right. at, at Honestly, different times. Yeah. Not all the time. You know, you want to have compassion. You're like, okay, I'm glad Jeffrey Dahmler got saved. I wouldn't want him as a roommate, you know, whatever. But it's like... <laughs> that was got dark up that in here. That was really dark. <laughs> Would you want him as a roommate? No, I wouldn't. Okay, no, then. No. What's your fixing, Jeffrey? Get real. Finger yeah. sandwiches. <laughs> Come on. That was dark. See, I barely even. Okay, I opened the door. And then, oh, you did. It's just it's just wide open now. But bro. you know, it's just that whole perspective of um, it's the balance. It's between dealing with healing right i believe the bible god's gonna heal when he wants to i'm not a charismaniac i'm sorry that believes that every single time god has to heal or you don't have faith i think that's stupid okay and i don't think that's scriptural but i've been on varying sides of that it's the same way when you meet somebody that's got a psychological condition whether via nature or nurture that doesn't really go away Right. And there's a lot of that. But I do think compassion, hopefulness and sitting there and meditating on God's sovereignty in that can help you get through. Because some of you, you may be in a situation where it's not going to go away or it wouldn't be righteous if you make it go away. Right. You're married up. You got yeah. kids. You got obligations. You got obligations. Maybe it's a it's a maybe it's a, a son or daughter of yours that is like that. And. God didn't want you to hate them, but there is wisdom about boundaries. There's wisdom about how to deal with things. If they're somewhat cooperative, they can learn skills rote. They don't feel them. They don't feel, oh, I'm now giving, you know, because it's good to give. They're not. They have to go. It's almost checklist. Now do this like a robot. And if they learn how to do that, it can help a an empath or somebody that's married or or with a narcissist or whatever it can help them get through because they're at least mimicking human civility human um reciprocity of of um emotions and and but they're not getting it they're not speaking it really they don't they don't understand it but they're going to mouth the words it's kind of different but so what it all boils down to is because of the fall the world is a messed up place and I guess there's varying degrees of messed up. There's a lot of areas you could go with this. And you can edit this part if you need to. But it's like when you think about people being born with, I don't know. I mean, I know there are some people that claim since they were super young that they had sexual tendencies that most Christians would consider to be deviant. And I say this in compassion. What do you do with that? Right. I mean, Christians could be flipping about it. We can be, you know, you can just treat it. But it's like at a certain point, the word is the word and deviancy is deviancy. But we are all really messed up. All of us. And so when it comes to narcissism or um, deviant sexuality or temptation, the recipe is really, really humbling ourselves down into the dirt and really understanding that I'm not better than a narcissist. I'm not better than a deviant, you know, or, a, you know, we all are deviants. It depends on which standard you put it up to. So, um, I don't know. You, you know what I'm saying? But it's, oh, it's those exactly types of things that, yeah. and in certain ways, if you pray and the narcissism doesn't go away, right? That's usually what happens if you want to get real, right? Yeah, exactly. Usually you sit there and you have a narcissistic husband or a narcissistic pastor. You could pray and do this thing. They are not equipped to bank that turn they, they can you know flaps and rudder and everything they're not going to make that turn and unless it's like a miracle which you can look at the life of david and see fractal different phases mm-hmm. when he when he was king now granted if you're like the secret king in your mind and you're like a real weirdo i guess it would be heavy duty if you go from like parking your saturn next to the dumpster that's a bill burr steal but if you park your saturn next to the dumpster and then all of a sudden you're a billionaire two days later right you could probably get a little bit um off 
right? Yeah, you could. And you could. maybe David went from that this humble, chosen um, shepherd boy, you know, this musician, this this genuine dude that loved God. And was it just, you know, the wine women and song and the, the shackles? You know, is that what... But look at the process that David went through before he became king. He was anointed king many, many, many years before he actually became king. And he had all of that stuff that God had to bring him through before he got there. And I'm sure that there were some times that after he was anointed king, that before he actually became king, that he's like, okay, is this really going to happen? What's what's going on here? And then, then there was that time with Saul where he almost went in and killed Saul. Well, you kind of almost wonder because the scripture doesn't say like, and, and then David went on a major cocaine bender, right? It doesn't say that <laughs> nope, he did that, doesn't. but his actions, you know how, like when you look at abuse situations and they're like, oh, look what they did neglecting this baby. That is the worst thing ever. But then you find out they were on meth and it doesn't make it better, but at least explains that they were out of their mind. They were zonked right. out of their mind yeah. when they didn't feed their kid for nine days, whatever. Well, when you look at the life of David, no offense, David, because we do understand that he will be our the potentate he will be, in the yep. New Jerusalem. Sir, yes, sir. He will be like God's right-hand man ruling over us yep. in the New Jerusalem or in, New in, Jerusalem. in yes, the New Jerusalem. The so it's you may not have read that, but it's an interesting thing in the Bible. It's and, in there. Um, it's, so when I talk about David, I'm like, yeah, bro, you know, it's all good. But it's not. So I'm not knocking him. But if you look at what he did and the things that he did. They were heavy duty, uh, narcissistic. I mean, it was like murder, lying and murder and taking this guy's wife or his own. And, and then it's almost like he was tempted in that Luciferian narcissism. The power went to his head. He's taken a man's lamb that, that, that bride was, was, nah, I don't know. She was like bathing and showing off for David. There's probably something a little, no offense, Bathsheba. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to dog his dog is one of his woman, women. <laughs> But it's like, at the same time, you're like, did it all just go to his head? The power, the money, you know, it's just like shekel fest up there. And then he's like, what happened there? Well, what you were talking about earlier with the people that are in political power, I think David had to struggle with those spirits affecting him. When he was put in the... When ah, he was a king. Okay, okay. Okay, when he was king. Because anybody who's been called... New levels, new devils. Let's not use that term I won't. because it was used by Voldemort. It was, okay. wasn't it? It's so accurate, though. Hey, you got it. It is. Yeah, it is. But there are certain things that affect different people. All right, let's just take a look at the music industry. All right, new women's new demons. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let, 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 let's boil it down. Okay, go back to early Black Sabbath when they were singing about Jesus. Okay, and then all of a sudden, a left turn gets taken at Albuquerque. And you see that with a lot of different bands. All of a sudden, there's this left turn at Albuquerque where they kind of leave where they're at and they get into these really strange spiritual things. Now, that doesn't freak me out at all because you know, we know what's going on. They're operating in Some the spiritual realm. Some of that realm. can be a coke bender. It too. can be a coke bender too. <laughs> but there's things that happen there. Well, even that, the coke bender. They're affected by spirit because they're operating in a realm that was once that once belonged to somebody, the artist formerly known as Lucifer. <laughs> that was a good tie-in. It really is. We heard it right here, folks. <laughs> David, according to Glenn, was on a coke bender. He <laughs> believes that's what the Bible says. I heard it. You heard the implication of it. It may have been subtle, but I know what you're doing. No, that's that's some interesting things. Well, God loves people on both sides. He loves the narcissist, which if you've been abused, that's kind of hard to say, or it makes you mad. You want to just like, oh, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, find yourself uh, that that true pastor that God's got out there. If you're a young person dating, don't keep justifying. If you, something's wrong, you know it. Yeah. We knew it. We were like, no, but he's uh, the reason he's that uh, arrogant and that it's because he's just so smart. He's so chosen. And we were given excuses for 12 years for somebody that has got a glaring disorder. Absolutely. And a lot of therapists, a lot of therapists suffer with narcissism. Yes, they do. So imagine the damage that can do. Yeah, exactly. There's been articles. I was taking a look at some of them. Articles and articles written about the narcissistic therapist. Uh, and that's why they get into that position. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of times, as, as Jay was saying earlier, people who are narcissistic, they, want, they seek those positions purposely to get there to exercise power. No, thanks. Nope. Well, no, thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you've had an experience. Um, you've got encouragement. You know of a great book. Um, you feel hopeless and you want somebody to pray for you as far as that situation. Um, Just reach, reach out. out to us. Yeah. Lithos cry. Lithos cry.com is our website. You can send us a message through that or it's lithos cry. L I T H O S C R Y at gmail.com. Yep. And, um, yeah, if anybody wants to be exploited for money, I'm working on my skills. I'm really not good at. We're going to try to be narcissists next week. Let's see how that goes. Okay, and you know what we forgot to do? We totally lack integrity. What's that? We were supposed to dress up like in our short sleeves and with the tie with the white shirt. We were. Yeah, we were. We still have time. There's still time to redeem. Actually, when when I finally form a band, that's probably going to be what. (laughs) What. I hit the stage with. You have to put a flower pot on your head too. Oh yeah, no Devo. I watched Devo yesterday. Did you? Did I watched you? Devo. I watched Earth, Wind, and Fire. I watched uh, the Talking Heads. Oh, I love going back through all the ones we mentioned. A couple of those podcasts, we just put them on, and uh, I really like the Talking Heads. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Really good out stuff. there. Well, thanks for listening to us, and check us out again. We we will be back real soon with some more Get Real podcast. Peace out, people. Later.